Welcome to the Healing While Black podcast, where we believe it's possible and necessary for Black people to heal, thrive, and celebrate our lives in the face of injustice. We'll highlight the often unheard voices and perspectives of Black people on a range of topics that impact our lives. I'm Misty. And I'm Kiana. And we're two Black women therapists with real lives trying to heal while Black and figure it all out too. Thanks for joining us. You ready? Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It's been a minute, but here's our latest episode wrapping up our first season. We'll discuss lessons learned, listener feedback, and our personal takeaways from creating our first season. Today, we have a guest on our episode, Erica Cooksey, LMSW. Erica is a dedicated social worker that has a number of years in the field. She is an amazing woman, mother, and friend with wonderful insight into what it means to heal while Black. Erica joins us today to discuss our first season and any highlights, takeaways, or suggestions for our upcoming seasons. Now, let's jump into the interview with Erica. So Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you do? Well, sure, thank you for having me. Um, I am a black woman and I am a mother of two grown daughters. I am a social worker and have been um, practicing in one way or another for the past almost 15 years. Um, I've been working in research and evaluation for a lot of that time, um, doing some macro work um, and administration. In the last probably five years, I've moved to more direct care um, and substance abuse and trauma work. Um, So right now I work in a hospital in DC and I see um, survivors of community violence. So what what brought you into, into this field? Um, I got into this field. I, it's an interesting story. So <laughs> I, I knew that I wanted to help people. Okay. I was a teen parent. I had my kids um, at 16 and 18 and I went through a lot with that. Um, I went through a lot of programs and I went through a lot personally. And I knew that I wanted to give back in some way. So I originally started in nursing school and I thought that I would be an OBGYN nurse so that I could treat, like really see the teens, like when they came through. Um, But I really wanted to write a program. I was thinking like, okay, I could create some kind of programs for teen moms like me. Um, But once I got to clinicals and I started having to deal with some of the physical parts of nursing, like changing drainage and stuff like that I was like oh yeah that keeps me out um, yeah this is not for me so <laughs> I, I met the social worker on the floor at the hospital and um, she was telling me about what she did so I withdrew from classes and the nursing program that semester and waited the next semester and started my mental health associates degree okay <laughs> with the quickness you said with drain what I'm yeah out. No, <laughs> no, that was my last day. Um, last I, day. Still, I, I do right. like to hold, I have the stethoscope. <laughs> Just as a reminder of what like I, I hear your heartbeat. 
Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> about anybody it. Need, anybody <laughs> need to check a heartbeat? I know right. an injection. Uh, <laughs> some of those things stuck with me, but um, I, I had the desire to help people. And then as I explored more into my family, um, I have several aunts that were social workers um, and mm-hmm. father uh, that was a social worker. So I was like, oh, this is us. So it just made perfect sense. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. You know, you've been a listener of the Healing While Black podcast throughout, and we are so thankful, you know, that that you have. Um, so we wanted, we were curious about what stood out or resonated from any of the episodes that you listened to this season. Well, for me, it was um, really interesting to hear about the Black perspective, right? Because um, I think each episode you guys did a good job of going through that historical perspective of how Blacks have healed. Um, We've healed as a race, as a culture, um, through each topic. So mental health, um, music, um, how we've had to adapt our authenticity in the workplace. Um, Just a lot of things historically that we've had to go through um, in order to heal. Um, so I thought you like, you know, just as an overarching theme, that historical perspective has been great. Um, especially as somebody who's attended an HBCU, the black perspective is strong. Um, (laughs) it's, it's a great opportunity to hear that in a podcast. Um, so I thought that was, um, really special. Um, I love the one about music. I think, um, your guest was great, but I also think that um, music is so powerful, you know, and I think music, like sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I have a song on my mind, you know, and just I could relate to that so much. Um, and recently I've had a different kind of relationship with music where it hasn't been so happy. <laughs> and some mm-hmm. of the heard and Kiana, you were talking about like how when your dad passed, you couldn't listen to certain songs and I've had that experience more recently where I'm like, my relationship with music has not been the same. And so it made me think about that. But also, Misty, you mentioned something about humming and um, humming and the power of humming. Like the most powerful meditation I've done is a humming meditation. And um, it just made me think about that. Like, you know, our ancestors were humming, like, you know, and you think about some of the older um, members of our families and stuff and how they would hum. Um, and just some of those things, it's like, we don't even think right. about that. But I remember doing a meditation. I like to meditate and um, one, it, it just hit me in a different way because it sends like a certain vibration through your body. Yes. Yes. You really focus on it. It it does some kind of deep release that you really don't expect. So mm-hmm. I really um, appreciated those um, episodes. And like I said, that overarching theme of the back, Black perspective, I thought was really powerful. That's Thank interesting you. that you say that because when we were coming up with concepts for the podcast, having the historical part of whatever the topic of that we were discussing mm-hmm. was important to us. So not just how, what we're healing from, we're healing from now, but how does that tie into who we were and what we've been through historically as a people? So the fact that that 
you know, comes across and you're able to see that uh, it's great. Accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely felt that because, but I think that's an important part of telling the story because how else would you tell the story if not for the history? Right. Right. We don't know ourselves in the present if we don't really kind of understand where where we came from, you know? Right. Um, Because it, it, I mean, it shows the growth, right? Because we talked about, um, you all talked about like, you know, especially in the mental health episode, it was like people, um, and I know you use your example, Kiana, of how you um, came up and you were just kind of like, I'm not doing that therapy shit. Um, And how people, (laughs) you know, you know, you, sometimes people think that, like, I'm not doing that. Right. um, I don't need the white man. I've heard this specifically. I don't need (laughs) um, nobody telling me what to do and blah, 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 all in my business. And um, we've kind of evolved as a people, I think, as a culture um, to maybe I do need help and is admitting that maybe I do need help. Right. And and I think it's important to to note that part of the, okay, I maybe I do need help is understanding what we've been dealing with and what mm-hmm. we're actually dealing with. Like, right. I don't need help because I'm, I'm pissed off that I got a shitty job. I need help because of why I got a shitty job and I'm pissed off and how that all plays together. And what I need to highlight and understand is right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's and- these, it, which is to say it's the systems. Once you understand the systems, it makes it a little more clear of what you're dealing with. Yeah, I think just the ability to even recognize, like I have these emotions and it's okay. I like when I see patients in the hospital, sometimes I can see them like a lot of times I see them right after a trauma. So they're emotional and I see them hide, like keeping back their emotions. I'm like, let that out you know what I mean? because I want to suppress that it's better out than in. Don't push that down, let it out. Nobody's here. You can cry and let that go. Um, And I've been just encouraging that more and more because I see so many people suppressing emotion in a time when emotion is necessary. Right. You've gone through significant things for you to be emotional. You know what I mean? And I think um, allowing people the space and um, helping them become more aware that it is okay. Because I think that for so many years, especially from a historical perspective, we had to suppress emotion. Um, Absolutely. To be able to say like, it's okay. It didn't serve us to show emotion, right? Right. Absolutely. Right. And, And I think we talked about it in one of the episodes about, you know, how our ancestors have sort of paved the way for us to be able to do certain things now that they weren't able to do back then, right, because of certain circumstances. And I think we are in a moment where, you know, it is important. It is, there is this opening for us to deal with our emotions in a different way than we have been accustomed to. So, right, like, and that, and that sort of, that that's where that historical piece also plays in, right? Like that, that, that work that also took place historically for us to be able to be at this moment when we can, when we actually can, you know, deal with our emotions and we can, black folks can go to therapy and, you know, and, and it's, it's a little safer, right? Um, 
it's I think though it's important to highlight something you said earlier when they were referring to I'm not going to no white man to da 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 it's changing because the permissions aren't coming from just white people the white right. face right you're in the er with them giving them the permission you're mm-hmm. the one saying it's okay they're seeing your face that looks like their face that they think understands their experience so when you say it's okay it sounds different than when someone who has historically taken advantage of our pain tells us it's okay right that ain't for me you know what I mean but if I hear from somebody that feels like me then it opens my mind up a little bit to be like okay well maybe Mm -hmm. definitely but maybe for sure yeah all right Erica uh do you have any questions for us about any of the topics that we discussed in any of the episodes? Two, two questions. Um, I know you interviewed, um, I think it was a Mr. Howard. Mr. Orrin Howard. Orrin Howard. Okay. Um, and I was just curious about what are your feelings about um, Black male therapists and like, let's say there was an intentional campaign to recruit Black male therapists. And what are your th- thoughts about, like, us as a community of Black therapists, Black social workers um, in this field, being more intentional about talking to the Black men that we know and the Black men that might have potential to go in this direction? Um, just being more intentional about recruiting into the field. Mm, that's a good question. I love that question. Um, So what I do know is when I was in the graduate program at my school, hmm, I want to say maybe there was one Black gentleman in the program. Yeah. It was one, right? I think. And yeah, I think I just knew I just knew one as well, which is tough. And that was it. Yeah. I think two things about it. When I come across Black men, that I hear, and I mean men, right? That I hear and I have conversations with them. I always encourage, you know what? You should go into social work because that voice is needed. It is necessary and it is not there. But I do know that there are some men in the field and they are doing their part to bring in more men into the field. A lot of times when we talk about social work, there's that that myth that you can't make any money in social work. There's mm-hmm. no money here. So most individuals aren't opting to go where they don't believe the money is. So one, changing that narrative that there's Ugh. money in social work is very yeah. important because yes. there is money in where you want to, where the money resides, where the right. money resides, right? right? So changing that narrative to do what you say, what you're saying, encourage those voices that we hear encourage them to enter the field, but also explain what it really is. It's not what the typical idea of social work is. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to it and the impact that can be made so huge and necessary and needed and deserved mm-hmm. by our, our children and our people. We deserve to be mm-hmm. held and supported and loved by people that know our experience and look like us. Right, right. Yeah. But that there's one last thing. This isn't easy work, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to go out to recruit a Black man to come into this work, I'm 
already asking him to enter into work, personal work. Mm-hmm. That's got to be done before you can be effective. Amen. Right? Yeah. So am I going to ask you to do something you're not ready to do? I can't do that. But I can absolutely mm-hmm. let you know what the, this opportunity is and what it can produce mm-hmm. for our community. Right, right. I love that. Yeah. I think, you know, I think when I think about, you know, the the limited amount of black men that we have in, in the field or black male therapists, I think about how generally how few black males actually use therapy, right. Or use um, mental health services. Right. And so I think part of, you know, that campaign would need to focus on kind of what you're pointing to Kiana, like inviting black men to heal, right. To, to move through that, that kind of healing process themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, cause I feel like when I think about what drew me to, um, to, to want to be a therapist was my experience with therapy. And initially it was my bad experiences with therapy and we, we wanted it to, you know, be more positive, but then beginning to realize how helpful it could be and right. And how, and, and how powerful and like relieving and, healing it was to just engage in therapy to do to to go to therapy right and and to to receive that mental health support right and so i think there is as as we've talked about right there's this big stigma in the black community you know generally about using mental health services and there's some rightful reasons why there is that you know th- those that hesitancy but i think um part of the work is encouraging black black men to, to, to work on mental health struggles. Right. Um, and whether that is through therapy, you know, and whatever, whatever way that is. Um, and I think, you know, when we think about just, I think movement work in general, or, you know, we think about the folks that have always been on the front lines of things, honestly, it's oftentimes been like within the black community, black women, end up being the leaders, you know, in many ways, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like leading the way, paving the way for our whole community, not just for black women, but for black women, black children, black men, right? Like that's, that, that's, that's sort of been what we've seen historically. And so I think, you know, part of our work is, is just continuing to pave that way and open up opportunities, you know, for black men, you know, to feel like, healing is something that's possible for them right and and you know and engaging in mental health work and and, and, i mean mental health services themselves right um because i think they'll be able to see that actually this is this is helpful right like when we talk about the celebrities you know that we've talked about like jay-z and you know folks from mob deep and you know other folks um they see the value in therapy because they've experienced themselves right um and so they they can now promote it right and that and that's how it begins let's also not discount though that so i run into a lot of of older black men that talk about the impact that they've had on young black men mm-hmm. so it can be mm. it can be through coaching it could be through yeah um rec centers it could be yeah. through so what I like to always go back to when we talk about healing while black is redefining how we say healing can occur. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
you're out here in these in these uh let's say rec centers working with these youth making real impact and change with them understand what you're doing right yes understand that you are working with these kids and their emotional problems and though you're not licensed to do this understand what you're Mm -hmm. doing so imagine if you are licensed to do this you already have the passion you already can see what the impact is so when we have these discussions about let's say recruiting or bringing on while we're doing that we also have to highlight what already exists and that is already or sorry what already exists that plays into what the structure in this these systems we live in require us to have to give these things to our people right yeah good stuff, I, good stuff. yeah i love that because it's like know your impact right because right just, um teaching them how to shoot a ball but they are sometimes people in the rec center are the closest things that you have to a mentor. They are your first impact that you have. But I I brought that question up because I think um, in in my current position, we have these roles called credible messengers. um, And they are people that have overcome males generally that have overcome their trauma and that are working in the hospital setting and they're not licensed but they're definitely acting as counselors mm-hmm. uh, and um, providing that one-on-one that a lot of these guys need. And I see the impact that they're having. Uh, my coworker, t- especially like just, you know, men will talk to him. They'll talk to him in a way that they, c- they won't talk to me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that opportunity to bond with another man that's been through this yeah. and- Hey, I understand what you're going through. Let me help connect you to this, that, and the third. So even if it's not a licensed therapy, um, that there are other positions that um, Black men, we need to see more Black male faces um, in this work of healing. When I worked at uh, the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless, they have positions there uh, called peer, like peer support specialists. And it's the same role. So what I... What is refreshing is to see that these roles are beginning to exist and show up in more places. Yes. And now getting people into those roles. Mm-hmm. That's that part, right? That's mm-hmm. the part. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so I was I had another question, but I think I've, I'd like to get your perspective on this. Okay. And it's not really related to episodes so much, but... Just your thoughts about um, the over, what I see is the overuse of mental health diagnoses in social media, just in, in the world mm. in general. <laughs> um, I feel like, I don't know if this is just me, but <laughs> I'm like, everybody's diagnosing somebody as a narcissist or um, with PTSD or mm. with um mental health disorders. And I'm just like, just because somebody put some notes on Pinterest and Mm, yeah, (laughs) made a meme meme about it does not mean that (laughs) you get to diagnose the disorder. So I was just curious about um, what you guys think about that. And um, if you, if you get that sense or how you think, feel about it. Internet therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I've gotten to fully process my thoughts about that, because I think they have been rumbling within me a little bit because I've, I've been starting to develop some feelings about, you know, kind of what gets put out there, I think, about mental health from from folks that are not necessarily right professional, you know, like mental health professionals. And I, and that's not for me to, you know, I think I, my feelings about it are complicated because I'm, I one acknowledge that um, mental health professionals don't have like a monopoly on, you know, like being able to diagnose things or, you know, be, being able to see, you know, issues that, you know, need support and, and you know, they're, you know, need some therapeutic support. Um, and I also acknowledge that yeah. the mental health field in and of itself is flawed, right? You know, like, and so that there's some issues with it, but at the same time, I do, I kind of struggle with um, just kind of seeing people just like put stuff out there um, that they, they haven't really taken the time to understand, you know? Um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. It's a double-edged sword because, one, I love the fact that the conversation is more open now, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're hearing it more. Uh, therapy, therapy, you need therapy, you bipolar, you, you're schizophrenic, <laughs> you're a narcissist, you're, all right. Um, but then there's that, right? So you got, and especially when you have people that may be, genuine in what they're doing so they've been through they have a specific diagnosis and yeah. they live with this and they want to share their experience but one person experience with a diagnosis is not another person's experience yeah. you know so there's that and but then I think that's the time we live in social mm-hmm. media is that mm-hmm. And it's going to be, no matter the topic, social media can, mm. it can take it and do horrible things with it. And it can, there can be great things to come from it. It is the user's responsibility to be able to make that decision, which is a lot, if we're talking mental illness, you know, then to put that, but that's the reality of it, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, when you get, when you start having symptoms of something med- um, like a medical issue dr google right you google everything yeah. and you're looking on there you're seeing but eventually if it's bad enough you're going to follow up right with right because you right. want to know like what what's happening right and if you don't you if you don't like that doctor then you go to another doctor so i'm just hoping that i think it is good i think it's good that there is some information out there but i'm hopeful that people will continue to follow up and reach mm-hmm. out you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think kind of what Kiana, you just pointed out, like, I think it is, it is, it's actually pretty awesome that like the conversation about mental health has been expanded, right? Like um, on the social, in, in social media or just in the world in general. And so I think, right, us hearing it on social media is just the, it's showing us that, okay, people are thinking about this more and that, we're destigmatizing it, right? Um, so that people feel more comfortable to talk about problems that they may not have felt comfortable talking about it, you know, um, in the past. Um, so that is, right, That that's a positive that I think, you know, I guess we can look at it and celebrate that in a way, right? But it's, but just as you said, Erica, let's follow up. Let's make sure we, yeah. you know, let's I, make sure we t- touch bases with folks who've, you know, who've thought about this, who studied this and who've, you know, yeah. have experience, right, supporting folks that actually have these things, right? 
Yeah, I guess because it's an observable, like, you know, in mental health, you're looking for an observable pattern, right, of behaviors mm-hmm. um, over a period of time. Over a period of time, right. right. And so it's like to throw a diagnosis on somebody, you've met once. <laughs> like, you know, I think it's, yeah. we just, people are just comfortable with the terms and they're throwing them out there. And it's like, oh, I think he's a narcissist. It's like, <laughs> I think she I think he's bipolar and it's like right, right. Uh, right. let's just stop right there I think that they might be exhibiting these behaviors <laughs> you know, like right there's a little more work like are you monitoring them like are you <laughs> yeah. yeah and also uh misdiagnosis within the mental health community yeah. happens so Brandon much does. in regards to us like open up let's that not can of worms. In, let's so, like, right? yeah. and these are folks who've, who've like been studying this stuff and like thinking yes. about it for years and years and all that stuff and think, and they, think know. they know right even just to diagnose right the diagnostic the dsm-5 you yes. know what we use like right. there's tons of criticisms about that right and there's some there's tons of problems with it as well right like it's right. So, it's limited in many ways and you know, doesn't consider a whole host of things, right? Oh, well, when you, you just hit a little button on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> worms. Yeah. Whoa. So I'll it's, tell you. It, it is hard. I think that's what makes the conversation hard too, because of, right, but there's nothing set in stone. Like there's no, yeah. you know, and, and I tell my clients too, every, all the time, like, hey, this is the diagnosis that you, you know, you've been provided with right now, you know. And I try to be as transparent as possible, try to help them to understand what that diagnosis is, but also like mm-hmm. point out that this isn't set in stone. This doesn't mm-hmm. mean that, you know, this is, you know, your diagnosis for life. Yeah. This is based right. on what some of the symptoms that we've collected up until this point, you know, we may work together right. for longer and realize that it's something totally different. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And it can help people avoid that labeling, right? right. So, like, right. I'm not wearing that label all of my life, right? Right, right. right. You're right. you're giving me this diagnosis for now, but right, these things can change. Yeah, things can change. Yep. No. You know, when I'm working with my clients, I I when it comes to diagnoses, I let them know that's that's what you know. All right, that's what they say it is. But what we're working to do is figure out how to make your life work mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. That just helps us get close. If it if it is accurate, mm-hmm. that helps us get closer to how to help you feel yes. better, how to help you maintain, how to help you heal, how to help you whatever the help is that you need, right. that you are here for. That's what that helps us do. And if if that uh, direction doesn't get us there, we're gonna try something yeah. else. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's your healing is what matters. I don't care what they call right. it. Right. right. And I and I think uh, exactly. And, and I think another part of that is. And, and this is for folks who are posting on social media about certain diagnoses and feeling badly about it sometimes like that. I try to emphasize, like, let's let's talk about what you're strong in. You know, yeah. like, let's do things from kind of a strength perspective. Strength perspective. Exactly, exactly <laughs> because, right, like, because it does. Sometimes it's heavy to feel like, sometimes it's informative to be like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense, you know. Right. That mm-hmm. that's my diagnosis that resonates. But then sometimes it can be daunting and d- d- discouraging. Right. You know, and right. so mm-hmm. I try to, like, get a sense of how people kind of where they stand with that. Yeah. And, I, and my approach always is you're a human being, first and foremost. Right. right? You got some you survived up into this point. Right. You know, you got some important strengths. And so right. let's, let's are you sitting in on my therapy? <laughs> 
<laughs> bring it, girl. Bring it. <laughs> I mean, we are saying right, about right. the same thing. Okay, that because what right. it is is it's easy to exist in a space of deficit, exactly. right? That's much easier to see that than to see right, your strength. Exactly. Yep. And our, and our society plays on that, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's, it's beneficial for people to see themselves from a deficit perspective. It, it works with capitalism, right? It works with, you know, being able to just instill, keep, you know, systemic racism in check, right? When people feel shitty about themselves, right? Like it, it helps to keep certain systems in place, right? Yeah. And so, and so part of our work is, part of our, our work in challenging those very systems is, is doing that work of helping people to to see themselves as full human beings, you know, Absolutely. in the face of all of it. Because I think when you step into therapy, a lot of times we're stepping in with the idea that I'm operating at a deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an, a major part of the work we have to do is to remember mm-hmm. strength perspective and, and yep. um, power clients. Yep. And this is um, kind of goes to my recommendation or, you know, thought about the podcast, but maybe just in the next year, thinking about how we best support each other as clinicians mm. and talking about how we deal with vicarious trauma mm. and um, or things that we hear throughout the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, there are days when I come home and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's things that I've seen that have kept me up in the middle. I mean, you know, woke me up out of my sleep about mm-hmm. how serve this person right um absolutely how can I get it you know just yeah but well, things that you hear that give you nightmares right, <laughs> right? you know it's like whoa right and right. that goes back to that mm-hmm. um are we ready to open that trauma box that's true not only for the clients for, but for ourselves like what if we're opening nine trauma boxes a day okay <laughs> How do you, how right, do you and it triggers that? something that inside of us that right you know okay. like oh that's there got to deal with that yeah. right yeah. and so like how are we that's true as clinicians dealing with that on a daily basis and making sure that we're good I mean I know that's part of the training that we go through. right so, but reality hey you should therapists need therapists and all that good stuff. um but on a daily basis what does that really right. look like and I mean like if you have a real conversation with real folks like, what does that really look like? <laughs> like, for real. But yeah. I mean, just for real. I mean, because, you know, mm-hmm. we're not immune to this stuff. We no, are human. We're not. Yeah. And we're impacted by a lot of the same things that our clients have come through, which is yeah. one of the reasons why we got into Why this. we got into this work. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like to to be honest and have an authentic conversation about how, how we deal with. Yeah of the work that we do, I think is important. And just to shed some light on how, how we're getting through these times and all that stuff. Yeah. Good stuff, Erica. Yeah. But those were awesome questions though, Erica, they were so thought provoking and your feedback and input that you provided absolutely was beautiful. It was um, a different perspective and appreciated. So thank you, sis. thank Thank you. Thank you for having me. Final episode of the season, we'd like to take a moment to highlight a wonderful black business owner and a mentor of mine, Ann Alston. Ann is the owner of Alston Tech, 
a certified SBA woman-owned business and Maryland minority business enterprise that provides small business consultation, development, training, and mentoring services to first-time and existing small business owners. The company's primary mission is to prepare small businesses for real-world business experiences, as well as help them become a long-lasting and sustainable business. Anne has trained over 2,000 adults and 1,500 students through her hosted webinars and events. She's also the author of the book, Empower Thyself, a guide to personal health and professional growth for women. This book offers solutions to life challenges. Anne is also the creator and facilitator of the signature 10-week small business strategy course, where she teaches students, like me, everything from A to Z about becoming a startup and walking them through the entire process. Now, as a student of her 10-week course, I can certainly attest to the high-quality support students of small business receive. Her mentorship and guidance has truly helped me to feel confident and equipped with the knowledge I need to start my business. To learn more about the wonderful resource that Anne has to offer, check out Alston Tech's website at alstontech.com. That's A-L-S-T-N-T-E-C.com. You can also follow Anne and Alston Tech on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alston Tech. Let's continue to support our Black-owned businesses to thrive. Thanks to Erica for joining us on this episode. I look forward to her returning soon to discuss further topics on mental health. Right now, we're going to transition into some comments and feedback from listeners. So we had really great comments and and feedback from folks. And we'd like to thank everybody that listened and, and, you know, shared their feedback and comments with us uh, based on what was coming up for them throughout the season. Uh, So we got you know, some really interesting um, and and thoughtful things that folks shared. Yes, yes. One of the the things that we talked about in the beginning, right, is this whole idea of the white gaze. Um, And so one of our listeners commented about that and, you know, what it brought up for her, you know, own journey. And, And, you know, she talked about how even sometimes the white gaze is even present when we're not in white majority spaces. Um, and so that it, it even happens when we're just amongst Black folks, um, that it, it's become so much of the norm that it's it's almost like this this kind of ever present thing. Um, and so that was a really that was a really insightful thought. Uh, I thought we could kind of discuss. Absolutely, I think um, the fact that 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 is something that she took from the episode is exactly what we intend, right? Mm-hmm. To help us see what we are actually doing or what we are actually existing in Mm. so it's not like (laughs) we leave the house and like ah the white man is trying to get us right no (laughs) it is more of what we talk about all the time it's in our systems that um exist in this country it's in our schools it's in the information that's provided to us from the day that we are born so it's not like white people get one set of messages and black people get a different set we all get the same set of messages that they have uh put forth in society and have kind of established society around so it's ingrained in us it can be ingrained in us in our functionalities in our Mm -hmm. life so that even if white man ain't around if i'm still 
looking at you as light skin and saying you are more beautiful because you are light skin than right. that system that he created for me to devalue anything that looks darker than them as beauty, then yeah, look, right. it's there, you know, right. it's affecting us and they're still there no matter, even if they're not. Right, right. And that's, that's really interesting. Right. And, and I also think like, think about like when we talk about race among you know black folks and mm -hmm. i and like some of the interesting conversations that i've been in about you know race just you know when there's no white person in the room right, right? and there's still this kind of tiptoeing thing that happens um the person that made this comment is an educator right and actually you know works in a predominantly black school mm -hmm. system and and has talked about how even in those spaces right it it's that gaze still feels present right Absolutely. like you know are you aware that you're operating within that same system when you mm -hmm. get because what happens is you we enter into say an all black space but we go into that space with that same expectation of mm -hmm. the white gaze so if i come in here and you know we can call what we, whatever you want you call it respectability politics you there we go whatever you want you know but it's like we may change the terms but it's still supporting the ideas that are outside of us. Mm -hmm. so if I call you ghetto, because uh, for instance, I was on Instagram the other day and there was this photo um, that went viral and it was like a wedding party and it was a bunch of black people and they were all in the wedding in the, in the photo, kind of like throwing up signs, smiling, like mm. doing some poses. And the comment was, this is the type of ghetto wedding I want. And it's like, so black people enjoying <laughs> themselves and expressing their joy <laughs> has to be ghetto because it doesn't look like right. Bill and, and, and Becky and Karen standing there doing what? If they were doing, you know, looking like they were having joy in their photo, you would not categorize it as ghetto. So right. yes, you're still operating within that system, although that system is not right. present in the same way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Those standards still still persist Absolutely. right we, we we're still looking at ourselves and the people around us as if you know we're still being we, we still have to behave a certain way right or think that we do or think we do yeah yeah that was a wonderful observation yeah so thank you for that yes we've even gotten some feedback internationally we have about 10 different countries that have been listening to uh, the first season of our podcast, and we are super excited and surprised. I'm going to tell you that for sure. Um, <laughs> this one listener, uh, a Black woman from the Caribbean, she commented after listening to episode three, The Four Eyes of Racism, mm. she then went on to listen to a different podcast in where they were speaking about uh, housing discrimination. And she said, because she had listened to our podcast, mm. she was able to better understand the topic of housing discrimination mm. because she had listened to our episode three, which That's I wonderful. feel like that is the, the, one of our intentions of this podcast to help provide some information or thoughts that you never, you may not have come mm -hmm. to on your own and then to take that knowledge into different spaces and continue to um right. grow in that way 
Absolutely. Right. Because it's like we're not just talking about this stuff because these are some just merely interesting topics. We, we're bringing this stuff up because this is real. It pertains to our lives. Right. It in pertains our in our existence. Right. And so, right. These things do apply. And I think it is really encouraging to see that, you know, someone was able to use some information, you know, that, that we brought up um, and, and apply it to how they're understanding something that's very real you know, Absolutely. in their lives. And, and even though she is an international listener and may not experience housing discrimination in its in, in the way that we do, she's mm-hmm. now aware that it exists, you know, and that it mm-hmm. is a thing that people that she loves and lives here in the United States have to possibly deal with it. it I feel like it, what it hopefully did was help to kind of take away that unrealistic thought of what the United States is to understand how we exist in the system Mm, you know it's not oh I used to always make the joke with one of my cousins that lives abroad people always think um the United States the streets are paved with gold and I'm like (laughs) I don't know where these streets are but they ain't in my neighborhood (laughs) <laughs> you talk about the streets right because when we talk about the streets we talk about neighborhoods like the ones you and i grew up on they was paved with crack vials like they <laughs> were not paved right. wish them motherfuckers were paved in gold right you know right <laughs> that'd like, be nice <laughs> this is not the wizard of Oz, but nonetheless right right no yeah it's not the roads we be crossing no no i ain't traveled those not yet nope <laughs> but, that, but that was that was some great feedback yeah that's awesome. Uh, I think another um, another uh, listener also talked about our episode five um, on authenticity. You know, and I think she talked about how sometimes you know we're performing so much that who we truly are inside gets obscured, right? Like it, it you know, the way we carry ourselves, right, and the way we behave may not actually be genuine to who we truly are, right? And that we, and that sometimes, like our identities get lost in the presentation. Um, the presentation, right? Yep. Like that, we're you know, like we're we're constantly performing, you know, in so many environments that we don't actually get to grasp and like get to be ourselves, our full selves, you know, and. Um, our, our true selves and sometimes that that's unknown to us right, right. because um, we've been performing so long it's like well how do i discern what is performance and what is me right is Absolutely. it that now i've performed in this way for so long it's become comfort to me mm. or is this genuine to how i am and that i think was one of the big bigger points of our authenticity episode just mm-hmm. being able to identify that some things you may have internalized as mm-hmm. parts of you may not actually be parts of you. Right. And the flip side of that is you may have internalized some things that have become part of you that you still want to hold on to, mm-hmm. but being able to acknowledge where that comes from, what motivated that behavior or that feeling I think is important. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that awareness of, right. The different influences. Exactly. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, and I also think it, it, it does get complicated because I think, Kiana, you just said, like, how do we determine, you know, who our authentic self is versus who that performative self is, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, 
you know, some people may argue I am all of those, <laughs> you know, right. that is all of me. Right. And, right. and all of that is authentic and all of that is right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like who I am in my quiet space and who I am when I'm out and, you know, and, and how code switching. And I, I, I think I've heard this talked about a lot with, with code switching, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, you know, we, you know, black people in particular, like when we're with our families, we may speak a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas we, when we're in a work environment, we're going to speak a little differently or a lot differently, right? right. You know, and, and that, that switching kind of happens often and in different ways, depending on the context, right? And, and, and some people may say, well, whether I'm code switch it like whether well, i'm switching to this professional talk in my work environment or i'm like just kind of chill and calm and or or whatever like talking in this another way when i'm with my friends or family members all of that is is me and authentically me right other people might say something different like okay well really your authentic self is when you are that most comfortable person right and and that that performative self is when you know you're out there in the world um, trying to know, make people feel comfortable. Trying to be, make people feel comfortable, right? And and maybe that professional talk is about that that mm -hmm. that comfort, making others feel comfort. I think another thing that we highlighted in that authenticity episode is a lot of black authenticity is surrounded in survival, right? So call it code switching, call it you know whatever, not code switching. Yep. We are all, we specifically black people are trying to figure out how to survive in these spaces that are not meant for us to necessarily survive and definitely not thrive. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So making that decision, am I, am I going to talk if you want to call it professional, you know, mm -hmm. um, in these spaces, it's still your decision. And if a black person wants to exist in that way, more power to them. And that may be their mm -hmm. authenticity, but understand mm -hmm. where and why you are operating in that way. And I feel like, like we've said before, knowledge is power. If you know why you're doing something, then you have more decision-making opportunity. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. And that, and that's, that's part of this, this process. And I think even just us, even having the opportunity to kind of process our own experiences, right. Has Absolutely. been helpful for us to gain, you know, some consciousness around, well, how, you know, what's happening in the world and, and how does that impact how we show up and who we are and how does that impact us in, in, in negative ways and positive ways. Right. right. I I'm literally wearing a t-shirt at this moment that says, I'm too tired to code switch, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can see it, but I'm wearing, that's the t-shirt I'm wearing right now. And I am, I, I just, I'm not, but that's my choice. And my choice is not everyone's choice. It doesn't have right. to be, right, but this right. is my black choice. And this is how I choose to stand in my black authenticity. And we all have that choice, but let it be a choice. Right. Let it be a choice. Um, so that was, I like, that was some good, I think, insight there, you Absolutely. know, that, that, you know, but, you know, also just to be aware of, you know, who, who are we? Right. And, and maybe that, that question, we can afford to, to ask ourselves that, you right. know, and, and, and to be in con in pursuit of that, right. Like that, who we are, doesn't have to always only be um, kind of defined by the, the social structures around us. Right. Yeah, and yeah. that, the, that there is some of who we are that just is, and, that's is cool. what we want right, right. you know and that's cool too yeah and that's cool too so 
So we did have a question, didn't we? We did. We, listeners? did. we had a really good question. This was from, from a not one of our non-Black listeners. How does healing while Black relate to other non-Black communities? And would you like non-Black audiences? And if so, why? I think that's a really, really um, good, both great questions there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kiana, you want to begin with it or, you, you know, I don't know. How like about if, you jump in there? Okay, I'll, ju- I'll jump in. I'll start. You know, you got to, you know, you got to round it off for me, though. You know I will jump in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I I think, you know, when we started this podcast, one of the things that Kiana and I both talked about is, like, we, we want to be able to just kind of speak about, you know, the variations of the black experience and, 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 you know, different struggles we face and all, and and the good stuff that, you know, all of that, we want to be able to celebrate blackness, but we want to do it in a way that isn't for the gaze of, of, of other folks outside of the black community and specifically the white gaze, right. Is what we talked about. We don't want to feel like we have to polish how we say things and how we do things and, and all of that stuff. We want to be able to kind of freely be able to talk you know, about these issues. And we are, we are aiming towards black people in their healing process. And we're, and we're doing it in a way that is not, I want to say considerate, like that, that we're not going to be bogged down by what non-black listeners are, are saying, or like what they think of this, right? right? You know what I mean? So yes, we want, we invite everyone to listen, right? You know, no matter who you are, because we, we do think that, everyone can get something, you know, from this. Um, right. um, but we do want to, we want to center the black experience and, and we don't want to polish how we say things, right? Like the message, the message, we don't want to polish it to be a little to more, to be more palatable for folks that may not, that may be outside of that experience that are outside of that experience because right. specifically because we do that so much, you know, we, we wanted to free the space of that. Right. My instinct when I hear this question is no, right? Mm. So no, it's not for you Mm. if you are not Black, but it doesn't mean you cannot gain valuable knowledge. Mm. So we're making this podcast for people that look like us, that experience things that we experience just because we look the way that we do. Mm. Can a non- black listener gain a lot of useful ass information absolutely mm-hmm. but you're gonna have to get it the way we give it so when that i don't know if i want to use the word polished to me it's very polished it's polished in the way <laughs> I, okay i like right? that i like that you know what i mean so you gonna if you can get something from it i am so happy from for you but if you can't then eh, well because mm-hmm. it's not for you right but right. please please we welcome you to listen we need you to listen because not only is our intent for black people to be able to heal in a different way we can't do that by ourselves we don't live in a world with just black people in order for us to heal it's important for non-black people to know what we are healing from Mm. what systems exist that we have to uh, confront on a daily basis so yes there's a lot for for a non-black listener to gain but it ain't necessarily directed for you there's mm. a lot of television that ain't necessarily directed to us but we watch it and we mm. as black from it but it's not mm. necessarily for us right? yeah and, and that, i mean i think 
we even got some comments that actually speak in relation to this question. Mm -hmm. There was a non-Black listener who uh, said they really enjoy the podcast. They find that it's really, really good. And they say, I quote, even if I'm not the target for it, I still just really love what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what I'm saying in this comment. Like, nah, it ain't for Mm -hmm. you, but the fact that you can get something from it, then Mm -hmm. yeah, do your thug fizzle. Two other comments that we got from non-Black listeners were generally about how the podcast has helped them to see certain things in a different perspective or Mm. consider thoughts that they hadn't considered before or even knew that they should have considered before. So they've taken or they've gained a perspective that they did not they did not necessarily before. I think they're, you know, the beginning of um, this listener's question, the first part of the question was, you know, how does healing while black relate to other non-black communities? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think. You know, just to kind of give that one that's a little bit more kind of specific attention. um, I think when we're talking about non-black groups of color like other groups of color Mm -hmm. i think especially when you look at some of the broader concepts that we explore throughout the season like stigma mental health stigma and other communities of color you look at you know the four like racism and how that Mm -hmm. kind of plays out in other you know communities of color and you you could totally apply the four eyes right um Mm -hmm. you know you know, authenticity, right, too, like, and how even just the little topic that we talked about, about code switching and, and, and you know, language and all of that stuff, right, and, and in a way, like, kind of assimilation, right, like, especially when we talk about folks of color that live in the U.S., right, these, some of these ideas that we explore are kind of frameworks for us right. all to be thinking about, like, how they look in, in our different respective communities, right, like, I grew up in, you know, a predominantly you know, Black and Latino community with folks who were first and second generations, right? I also grew up with a good amount of Southeast Asian folks, right? You know, and so, and I, and I think like there's some, there's some important shared experiences, right? Of oppression, right? They look, they may look a little different, right? Um, You know, in certain communities, they may, we may have some different like ways to, to respond to some of them, right? And so I, I think, you know, while yes, this is specific to the black experience because there are some particulars, right, that aren't necessarily present, you know, that in other part. groups, right? That part. Um, and so we, we want to make sure that we are honing in on, on those particulars. Um, but I think like broadly, there's a lot that right racism isn't just ascertain from this. Yeah, it's right. Racism isn't just a black thing, right? Right. Oppression isn't just applied to black people. Right, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then and the other thing is I want to say just like for, for us personally, right? Like both Kiana and I are are identify as black women, right? Like so there's but I can most I can best speak from my experience, right, as a black person in the world. Thank you guys so much for all your feedback, questions, and comments. Um we really appreciate it. You know, it was our first season. We trying to figure it all out. And you know, we've gotten some great support. So we thank you guys. So we did, we did get, you know, one of the, the questions that we asked to, you know, some of our listeners was, you know, what's some other feedback that they might have for how we might be able to, you know, as we, as we move into our, you know, additional seasons and explore other topics, you know, what would they, what would they like to hear? Um, and so, you know, one of our listeners said they would love to hear us explore um, 
a bit more about the diversity within the black community, right? So it can do do a bit more to consider the experiences across the diaspora, right? And so that entails us digging into our diversity, you know, right? You know, right. As, as black folks, right? So you know, something like immigration, right, comes up, language right. comes up, right, place mm -hmm. of origin, culture, mm -hmm. right, how oppression might look, you know, mm -hmm. or how we may experience, you know, certain, you know, forms of oppression differently, and how we may, there may just be different outcomes, you know, for, for different groups within the Black community. Um, black people are not a monolith, right? So, exactly. I absolutely I mean, I, for myself, I talk about, um, being my mom being Caribbean, you know, so, mm -hmm. and I, and I know a lot of that influences my experience as a black American, right. And, and how I process things. So we definitely are going to take the time to explore right. how black exists and looks, you know, for different people, because exactly. no, it's for sure that oppression, no matter where you exist as a black person is part mm -hmm. of your life. Right. So <laughs> I think that's really important. And I, and I appreciate the, the, the feedback and the question about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right. And I think one of the cool things is that both you and I, we have some different experiences, right. To mm -hmm. lend to this. And I think this season, you know, like you, as, as, as you know, some, you know, someone who has, you know, a, a Caribbean connection, right. And like mm -hmm. me as somebody who, you know, whose folks, kind of primarily have been in the US, right, for mm -hmm. ages, but also has some connections to Cape Verde and, you know, other stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think also, um, I think this season, what we what we kind of did was just kind of covered things very broadly, right, and it kind of made some real broad strokes about the black community, right. And so I mm -hmm. think that gives us an opportunity as we move forward with new seasons to dig to a little drill deeper. Down. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That is that is so perfect that you did mention that because we wanted to come out kind of introducing th thoughts and, and ideas, but we know that um, experiences get more specific. Mm -hmm. And that's where we intend on taking future seasons um, and exploring those different topics. Right, right. Absolutely. All right. So Thank you so much for that feedback. Um, it was, you know, really awesome to to get to hear what the, you know, some experiences for listeners has been. Um, you know, sometimes when we're, you know, doing this work, we're like, ah, we're putting stuff out there, and we're like, you know, what, you know, how are people receiving it? You know, how, you know, is it is it doing what we were hoping and all that stuff? And so this has been very encouraging, you know, just to to you know to hear folks' feedback and 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 how. People are enjoying the the podcast. Exciting is motivating. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much. Now let's move into some of our own feedback, like our experience doing this podcast. Okay. So if I asked you, what of the uh, five episodes would you consider your most like thought provoking? The one that maybe made you think a little longer, might've kept you up at night, might've motivated you, excited you, any of those <laughs> things, which of the five would you say that was? Mm. I would say, so the most thought provoking kind of, you know, um, thing that kept me thinking. Um, I would say probably episode five um, on authenticity. Um, I mean, I think several of them were challenging in their own ways or very thought provoking in their own ways. Um, but that mm -hmm. one, I think probably was one that was was real for me. 
um, because it gave me the opportunity to begin to reflect on a deeper level, you know, about, you know, that that question of, of who am I, you know, like, and who am I kind of outside of the different roles that I have become accustomed to playing, you know, in in life. And, and I really, you know, I, I always appreciate opportunities to, to dig deeper, right? I am definitely one of those people that's always like, you know, introspective and, you know, and, 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 and kind of going deep. And oftentimes I'll do that with respect to external topics and things, you know, like, and not just external topics, but different topics that are more kind of like intellectual or whatever. But this one was like, you know, like, who, yeah. who are you? Like, go deep on you. Um, and I, and I think I've been, it's, you know, I've been a little bit on that, that journey recently. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it, I think it was a little, some parts of it was, it was like fun to like, think about, um, you know, past experience, you know, some past experiences, but some of it was also like hard to specifically think about, like, I guess me grappling with like, what are some ways that I feel like I have given up pieces of you know, like of myself or what are some ways or or why do I even have that question of who am I still? You know what I mean? Like I'm 38 years old, like just, you know, exploring that and, 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 and grappling with that and dealing with that um, was, was good for me. So, yeah. That's deep. <laughs> I feel you on that. I absolutely feel you on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. authenticity is one of those, one of my most favorite topics to discuss. So what, what for you was the kind of most thought provoking episode of, of our five? Mm. For me, the episode that had me questioning some shit <laughs> and like harassing my brain was episode three, the breaking down the system, the four eyes of racism. Okay. Tell me how. <sighs> Man. Right. So for me, there's always this question of kind of back to that authenticity. Like, am I this person or is this person a reaction to the system? Mm. So when we uh, discuss specifically the internalized racism part, yeah, it was hard for me to look at or to identify racist messages that I have internalized and then in turn operate in. Mm. Right. So I was looking for where does mm. internalized racism impact my life? Mm. Right. And I'm mm -hmm. black. So it impacts my life always yeah. based on the society and the system that we live in. But I was not able to identify racist thoughts that I have internalized and then accepted to be truths. Right. Yeah. So I felt like, well, how are you a black person, but aren't as affected by internalized racism it mm. made me question <laughs> it didn't make me question my blackness but it made me question maybe my thoughts of reality like am i really mm. not mm. impacted in in the way a lot of black people are i'm not mm. saying i'm not impacted at all obviously i'm a human yeah. black being so <laughs> i'm going to be impacted by internalized racist thoughts but yeah. i i don't know yeah. It just was, it was difficult for me to, to feel so different in that space. I'm used to feeling different as a black person, even amongst black people. I'm used to feeling mm -hmm. different and not of the like mind, but mm -hmm. 
it, when it came to that, I was like, dance, don't feel right. <laughs> like this, I need, I felt like I needed to feel more oppressed than I did, which is sick and crazy. And it made me question my, my blackness in a way. And I, girl, I had to, you know, you and I had some conversations about that episode. <laughs> yes, I was like, well, did. wait, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know what I fully came out with at the end of it, but I definitely told myself, accept, accept it, right? So mm -hmm. even if this is how you're feeling right now, let's say it isn't necessarily true, but it's my truth right now. Right. And I feel strong in that. Mm -hmm. And that's old fucking K. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is okay, yes. because yes. Yeah. that is who I am. And I feel... I feel good about yeah. that. Yeah. I feel and good. Absolutely. I remember some of our conversations around, you know, around, you know, you kind of grappling with that and struggling with that. Like, you know, and I remember also feeling like, well, you know, that's kind of part of like good work, right? Like, you know, like you, if you are not feeling like, you know, there's, there's, there's these negative messages that you've internalized about, you know, being black, then that's, that's what we want, right? You know what I mean? And that's right. like, let's, let's, let's talk about, and let's think about like what. But you don't hear that conversation a lot. We don't you hear right? from that perspective right. a lot. We don't hear things from that perspective. Exactly. Uh, right? Let's talk about what, what has helped to, to make that possible. Right. And that, and for me, it's almost like, damn it, let's celebrate that. Cause that's beautiful. And, and that kind of, it's like, there's some hope in that because it's like we're constantly bogged down by like, OK, well, what are the ways that we are oppressed and how do we how are we healing? And this is what this whole process is about. But it's mm -hmm. like, let us celebrate when there are victories. Right. Like Kiana feeling holy ass good about her damn self. Right. You know what I mean? Like that. Well, well, settle down. I mean, all right. All right. All right. All right. Maybe maybe I, you, know, <laughs> you did say I you have insecurities. You said you were a chocolate goddess, right? Am, but you know, it's we, hard we though. To, we need to honor because, that. like you were saying, right? It, just like you were saying, though, it's very rare you hear conversation about blackness and oppression or racism where you hear how blackness is existing uh, outside of that or despite of that in right. in positive ways. But it feels so wrong to talk about it because. Mm. But no, I take it back because I do know because it's part of all the it's part of the messaging, right? Right. The big picture mes messaging. I remember even growing up with friends because I was the way that I was and mm -hmm. very uh, self-aware or determined. That was never looked at as a strength. It always lo mm. was looked at as, oh, you're trying to cover up for something or, oh, wow. you're not really like you say you are. It was never accepted that strength was a strength was not looked at as acceptable right you very rarely hear women and definitely black women allowed to be in these places or exist in these places of strength or coming from strength even yeah. when you hear the term strong black woman it's a negative it's a it's a negative thing it but is, i feel like maybe understanding that it's okay to exist in our strength and be proud of it right. at times you know also serves as a healing process for us. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. And, you know, not to bring therapy all up in it, but like, I do feel like that Girl, is- Girl, we the therapists. That I should, right, we're therapists. <laughs> that is one of the, the things that whenever, you know, any of my clients like talks about like a success or like something that happened that was, you know what I mean? Like that, that was, that was good. I'm, I make sure that we stop and we celebrate. Girl. 
And yeah. I asked them, what is it that you are going to do to celebrate this win? Absolutely. Right. You know what I mean? Because like we need to. Right. Because we go over it so quickly. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I climbed Mount Everest, girl. And then <laughs> um, yesterday and then the day after I made dinner and right. no, we're going to pause real quick. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we okay. are going to hold space us because where in society do they hold space for black women's success? Where? Our success the we are the bitches, black podcast. Girl, all goddamn day. <laughs> okay. Like either we're bitches because we're strong and we're successful right. and however we decide, or we're right. monsters because we're strong and however right. we decide. Like, no, nah, right, right. Rocks with that. Right, exactly, exactly. But girl, that episode had me going. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So let's flip it. What what was one of the episodes that you enjoyed the most, or you found more more fun to um record? Yeah. So my favorite was episode four. You can't steal our joy, uh, where we had our guest Kidada, um, on and just talking about music. Um, I think that was just, I think I was a little bit, I felt high, you know, in the session, you know, giddy, and, and, yes. I, I felt really giddy and, you know, and it, and it just feel, felt really nice one to just have her there and, 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 and talk and to be able to celebrate like black people and what we, you know, something that we bring to the world, right. That, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just, it's, it's in, in the impact and power of it. Right. Like I just, and it helped me to think about like how music has always been just also part of my life and how I've it, it's it's you know helped me to journey through everything and and how much joy I do get from music right like and I you know I love to dance I love to sing I love to you know all of that stuff and that's 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 part of that's part of healing and and growth and and all that stuff it's it's part of surviving but it's just Shit, sometimes it's just like, I just want to have fun. I want to smile. I want to laugh. And, and it's wonderful, you know? So it was just, that was my favorite That was episode. such a fun episode. And Kidada's yeah. energy is off the chain. Like, yes. I love her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she has yes. some great insight and great, um, she even presented ideas I hadn't thought about in regards to music and the power and the strength of it. So yeah. I, um. That was a really fun one. And you know, I love singing and listen, music, girl, you know. Right, absolutely. <clears throat> what was what was the one that was most fun for you? Which one did you enjoy? I liked um, I enjoyed our first episode, actually. Not mm. the teaser, but the actual first episode, Safety, Hope, and Healing, Meet the Hosts. Okay. okay. You know, even though I know you, right? Mm-hmm. But I loved learning about your relationship with your mother. I really enjoyed the stories that you shared and how she helped to create the result, which is the magnificence of you, right? Mm. So I find you so smart and so engaging and so funny. And I, I admire you and I admire your existence. And I'm like, although your mother, Mm. you know, is not Mm -hmm. here with you, she impacted you in a way to help create that help create this person that you are that I'm so blessed to be um in friendship with you know mm. I I say everything people will ask you know how'd you meet Misty or why are you guys working together or whatever the case may be and I'm always like it's the Misty magic right <laughs> something magical oh, about you that I find 
to be so endearing. And yeah. I am blessed to be a part of your life. And I thank you for taking this journey with me and so many journeys we've taken together. And we, yes, we will that we will continue to take together. So that was one of my um, favorite episodes so far. Oh, that was so lovely. All right, cheeks red and stuff. <laughs> Light skin girl problems. <laughs> red cheeks and blushing. I got that problem. <laughs> You're so sweet. Oh, I love you, Kiana. Oh, oh yes, Missy Magic Girl. <laughs> that is that is the sweetest. It it has been in, an incredible journey um, doing this podcast alongside you, and you know, I think I I think throughout it we've gotten to learn and. A, you know a whole lot more about each other and kind of be kind of like get to know each other more intimately right like a mm-hmm. little more closer right and have little mini fights i mean not right. really but you know right. but, you know we're working with people uh, right we're working with people. <laughs> <laughs> you know and and i feel like the kind of insight that you bring to this it's 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 like you have a way of of just like taking you know really deep and sometimes complex you know, ideas and concepts and experiences and really just like, just breaking the shit down, right? And like making it just, this is what it is, right? You know, and I and I feel like, you know, I get all complicated, I get all like crazy in my head and like don't know how to say the right thing and all that stuff. And I just feel like you just, you know, you balance that out really well. Like you just know how to just get straight to it and you say it and it, it is what it is. And it's, you know, and I appreciate so you that. say you don't mm-hmm. know if you know you know you you spend a lot of time in your head about oh is this the right <laughs> thing to say my problem is I don't take the time to think is this the right thing to say it just falls out my face the words just fall out my face and then I'm like oh shit well there it is hope it was right I mean, that shit happens real artfully when it falls out your face okay so I just want to say <laughs> Oh, well, I thank you, love. I, I appreciate I, that. No, and and just your your candor and just how real you are. You know, like I feel like I certainly feel blessed to have that in my world, right? Like we don't get enough of that. Your spirit is similar to my mother's spirit, you know. Nice. And you would have think y'all y'all would have loved each other, um, <laughs> and like just because of the amazing energy that you both have, you know that. I just, we need you. We need you. Aww, for thank real. you, for darling. Real. We need each other. As always, at the end of every episode, we have our takeaway. For our takeaways this episode, we are going to flip the script. Instead of providing takeaways for you guys, we're going to ask for some takeaways for us as hosts and for the podcast. Love it. What topics or ideas would you like to hear on the podcast in the upcoming seasons? Is there something you would like to hear us explore? Um, Any topics that you haven't heard discussed before that maybe you would find interesting hearing it on our podcast? Um, Let us know. Let us know what you think. Any ideas that you may have? Yes. Also, if you find that you've enjoyed the podcast and you have something to offer, Maybe you want to consider being a guest or maybe, you know, some folks that speak about black folks and healing and and you want to offer some suggestions for for guests um, that you'd like us to invite. If you have any guests that can speak about topics that you think would benefit the black community by being amplified on our podcast, (laughs) absolutely let us know. Absolutely. 
So if you do have some ideas or topics or guests that you would like uh, to tell us about, feel free to email us at healingwildblackpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at hwbpodcast. Send us a DM and let us know what you think. All right. So we want to, again, just say thank you to all of our wonderful listeners for rocking with us this season. We thank you for for listening, for tuning in, and also for the many of you who gave us feedback this time around. We thank you. We love you. We feel very, very blessed. We also want to highlight the places where all of our listeners are coming from. We got listeners from like 10 different countries and also folks listening from 29 states within the U.S. Thank you. Uh, we, we really appreciate all the love that we've been getting. Please remember to take the time out and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts Please. or wherever you listen to us. All right. We also, we want to we wanna give some some thanks. Absolutely. To, to the folks that really helped us to pull this podcast season together. I want to say thank you to Rasan Hawkins, our graphic designer outside of Chicago. Thank you for our cover. I want to thank 30-something for really doing a wonderful job on our music. Also, EYE Imagery for the beautiful photos. We also want to thank our special guests, you know, that came onto the podcast. Oren Howard from Inspired Leadership Consulting and Therapy Services, Kidada of Kidada Life and Riders Against the Storm. Uh, and once again, we want to thank Erica Cooksey for being our wonderful guest today. We also want to thank you all for supporting the businesses we highlighted during the season. Please remember to check them out if you haven't already. Doreen Vale, author and singer of I'm Great and I Know It, Zine's Custom Creations for all your customization needs, and Alston Tech for education, coaching, and support for up-and-coming small business owners. Let's keep the community strong by supporting Black-owned businesses. So... We have come to an end of this All season. Right, y'all. It took us a minute, but we made it here. There was, you know, some weeks where it just didn't happen, but we appreciate you guys for sticking with us and rocking with us nonetheless. Uh, we do look forward to season two coming out soon. Uh, so we ask you to stay tuned, continue to follow us on Instagram. And email us with any questions, comments, or feedback that you have. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your personal